0: So it's organized crime week here on Trek About. That
1: is true. Yeah, it's a nice connection between both episodes. Just, Although I kind of wish that the Orion Syndicate had also featured in Business as Usual.
0: That's true, but you know, I, I I don't like the Orion Syndicate. I think it's stupid, and I don't know why. Because I mean, it's the kind of thing that you think would be fine, but
1: I mean, there's really nothing to say about it. We that's know I that guess it the exists, that's but. I guess my
0: problem with it. Like it, it, it it's. It's a shorthand that feels like it should have been more established than it is, and I don't know really what it is, I guess I'm, I mean I'm replacing the ma- it
1: with the mafia in my head. essentially, yeah it, but there's yeah. there's a couple episodes later on the deal with it a little more. Okay, so I um, don't know, It's just one of those things that ds9 likes to throw in there from the original series and flush out a little more. It doesn't bother me. No, I'm not saying like I'm marking it down. You need to get over it, Richard. I won't. So I, uh, you know, this is a very low key week in a weird way because yeah. again, both these episodes are, are pretty, you know, I guess well, pretty they're not standalone in a way. They're pretty standalone. I think that they're they're very, you know, both of them are obviously character episodes. You know, simple investigation features Odo, and and um, uh, business as usual is about Quark. But at the same time, there is a lot of violence. There is a lot of horrible things yeah. going on. You know, it it is done in a very Star Trek way, and they do kind of get away from it, but. You know, A Simple Investigation, I like less than business as usual, but that's not yeah. to say that I don't like it. No, if I
0: have uh, – both were excellent episodes, and I can't say I quite figured where either episode was going to go, which is one of the things I really liked about Simple Investigation because so much of this is is DS9 doing by the numbers noir. I mean – yeah. There were the, to a degree watching this. I'm like, oh, he can't trust her. She's obviously lying, you know, and and that kind of and so I'm you know follow, because I've seen a noir film before, and so you know I'm following this through, you know, assuming that you know she's trying to play him, and of course they ds nine it up by taking it in just a really strange direction that just twists it and makes it. Much more poignant and sad, frankly, than yeah. anything you know than just simply she was I mean that one line where he says, "Oh, I figured out the book by page three, I thought that was you know that's what the episode was single signaling, and I liked that it was a lot more clever than that,
1: yeah, because the thing about well I mean there's a couple things about a simple investigation I think that the the first thing is that you know this is an episode that i don 't think really could have been done much earlier hmm. in the show's run. It really does depend on A lot of the character work that they've done in establishing Odo and sort of his wants and desires and his definitely his, you know, sort of, I guess, secret desire, maybe not so secret anymore. Now that he's a a changeling after being a solid for a couple months that he wants some sort of romantic relationship. And everybody, of course, is, you know, one of the things I like about this episode is that. You know, Deep Space Nine definitely is not a family atmosphere as much as TNG is, no. but it's almost uh, a more realistic take on it because they kind of they they have spats and they don't really like each other sometimes. But at the end of the day, they all sort of want Odo to be happy, and they want yeah. they want everybody else to be happy as well. How mean, <laughs> everyone's
0: <laughs> gossiping, you know, but but. I, and I don't remember I, which character says that to him, but we're only gossiping because you know we want you to be happy, and it's true,
1: yeah, well, I don't think they say it to him, well Kira Kira says that they want i think Kira's that you're talking about that that scene in the cargo bay where Kira says something to Odo about we just want you to be happy, yeah, and then of course, I think you're starting to see maybe why i love avery brooks because his line readings in both these episodes are fantastic you know when they're gossiping and in, in uh in ops and and you know says oh odo spent the the night with a woman and he says that's nice you know and it's just like this you know isn't it like i just love his line reading so much but that's, <laughs> that's a side issue but yeah and i think that you know it is a nice it is a nice character episode for Odo. It's a very quiet episode. Yeah. Like, there's not really much going on and there's not really a B plot. There's this sort of perfunctory throwaway line about, you know, a couple scenes where <laughs> Bashir is in another one of his uh, uh secret agent programs, but it really yeah. doesn't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> and, and
0: for a few minutes I thought this you know, when they're introducing this at the beginning, I thought, okay, it's gonna be a holodeck episode, but you know, they, they, they more just got a couple of, you know, comedic beats out of that which were very funny i mean i I like the whole o'brien wanting to be the good guy but then he's the bad guy (laughs)
1: well and the thing is too you know that that i mean you mentioned this is a is a noir story and of course it is and what i What I like about the take on it here is that it makes sense for odo to be the central character in this sort of Noir's story oh, because yeah. you know he is someone who keeps to himself is very alone is very lonely well i mean he, he doesn't, and, have, doesn't have a lot of like real connections with other people
0: and he has also been in this kind of plot before sure uh in and I forget the episode, but where it's back on Derek Noir and talking about Kira's uh You know, though that was certainly a a, a noir plot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, of course, in that episode, you know, that was a much earlier version of Odo. And, you know, sort of he wasn't as self-aware as he is now. He wasn't... I mean, he's really drawn to Orissa and he doesn't really know why. Yeah, And she's drawn to him. But it is that kind of story where you know that they're not going to end up happy, partially because this is a take on noir and also partially because this is Deep Space Nine.
0: But... And yeah, I, I guess what I really like, and at the same time, given that, you know, for example, we have Cassidy Yates, which assumedly is still happening on the background, it, it's not impossible that we could, or 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 uh, Shakar, it's not impossible that Odo could have been given a girlfriend at the end of this episode. We, pr- I, I, I didn't necessarily believe that was where it was going to go, and I like that they did the misdirection not because she was playing him and, you know, she saw that he was attracted to her and decided to be, but... At the end of it, she you know, when she says, oh, you know, I have a husband, but, you know, that the the affection that I had was indeed real for you. And, I mean, I like it that they actually, you know, even though it's sad, even though it isn't able to work out because, you know, their lives are different and all of that and she has another life to get to. Yeah, um, I do the like that at the end of the day, they were both sincere with each other and that that was, Odo was, you know, even though this didn't work out for Odo, it was genuine for him. And that's... That's good. I would. Recommend. Well, it's
1: it's a good first step for Odo. It's another step in yeah. his journey to possibly finding some sort of romantic happiness.
0: Yeah, he didn't make a stupid mistake with this. He actually, right.
1: you know, picked a person who was returning the love. I mean, at the same time, though, there is a another layer of poignancy to it because, you know, of course, Odo is this character that is very cut off from his own people. Hmm. And the the one woman that he is really drawn to and reciprocates his his interest at the end of the episode has to go back to her people. It's yeah. it's it's like he's just getting kicked all the time. Yeah, and it's very sad. Hmm. You know, it's it's this is a very sad episode. Oh yeah. You know, it's it's obviously uh, you can kind of sense even in the scenes with Arissa and Odo where they're they're sort of. Doing that very tentative flirting, and Odo doesn't really understand why he's drawn to her, and Orissa doesn't really understand why she's drawn to him. But I think that she senses his fundamental decency and kindness. And he senses that she is someone who, you know, perhaps will will understand him in some way, you know, because she is very alone, at least he yeah. thinks she is. You know, she tells this story about, you know, the daughter, which obviously he sees through very quickly. But then as the truth comes out and she's this this woman who has been working for this guy in the Orion syndicate and she's trying to get away from it, you know, I think he's drawn to her partially because she is alone in the same way that he is.
0: Yeah. He he does start off feeling, you know, just very compassionate about something. You know, this is there is a degree where Oda will go against justice. You know, go up against a lot, a lot for justice. And I think he does seem to have a problem with the Orion Syndicate. Like when, when well, I think it offends
1: his. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, when he's talking about when in the episode with uh, in in the ascent. When he finds out that you know Quark is dealing with the Orion Syndicate, he immediately says, "I would have put you under the highest security." So, I mean, that is his go-to. He knows just yeah. kind of how bad the Orion Syndicate is. He realizes that. I, I think whenever a, you know, it, it may not. It's not the driving force behind his personality, but when he 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 hates, he seems to hate the Orion Syndicate enough that. When he has an opportunity to go against it, he will do it. And so, hmm. you know, he would have done these same things for Quark, much as he, will, much as he would be loath to admit it, that he does for Arissa, Of course, he.
1: Well, that foreshadows very nicely at the end of the, uh, the end of the series when Aww, Quark and Odo get married. That's so nice. No, you know, I I I hadn't really thought about that read on his, his kind of attitude toward the Orion Syndicate before.
0: Yeah, I and think- I mean, obviously, there is more going on here. He is, an issue, you know, attracted to her. He is, yeah. does find her mysterious and all that. You know, and all, all all of that, you know, again, heightens it. But... You know, the, the, they are not. They are two very complementary motivations. I guess.
1: Well, I always had kind of a, a different understanding of, of, especially that scene in the Ascent where he says, "Oh, I would have put you under the highest guard if I knew you were involved yeah. in the Orion Syndicate." And I think, I think he's not. He's not necessarily scared of the Orion Syndicate, but I think that they're very big, and he understands that oh, they're a real threat. Yeah, and I don't say scared. I don't think, that he, scared, you I don't know, think exactly. that he. I don't think that he hates the Orion Syndicate. I mean, I think he's Odo. Odo to me is a well, character who. I don't get the sense that he's really capable of, like, strong hate. No, and that's... And I think that the Orion Syndicate, you know, and of course, like you started this episode out with... We don't have a ton of information about them. Yeah, but I the one thing that we can say about Odo is that he does have a very strong moral compass and a very strong sense of 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 justice. I mean, he has the
0: right. He has the attitude that somebody who is very much a lawman would have about organized crime. So it's it's not you know. Uh, it's not surprising that he feels this way about that you know he recognizes that they are a big threat and but that it's important to go against them and you know he sees you know frankly for him this is the reason why the orion syndicate is so bad because he sees somebody who is relatively innocent who's just caught up made a few bad decisions and wants to get out and they're not letting her
1: well and it also i think it also speaks to odo's you know fundamental sense of of being a good judge of character because you know arista in the first part of this episode i mean she's lying to odo and she's running around yeah. and she's she's you know breaking into computers and breaking into the assay office and doing all kinds of things that you know odo necessarily would would throw someone in in uh in in jail for and and he doesn't do that and i think because he realizes that there's more going on here than than she's saying to him and it wouldn't really be fair to her which i think is an interesting way for that to go
0: yeah odo is i mean odo does believe in the law but for him the law is about order it's about protecting people it's about you know making sure you know he believes in the law as an instrument of justice and uh certainly he you know Orissa is not doing anything to endanger anybody on the station. she's not stealing anything beyond- except for herself yeah exactly. she's not stealing anything that belongs to somebody else. she's not trying to get a weapon or anything like that. Everything is going to be pretty contained so well, yeah,
1: I think that well that's a good point because I think there's a lot of different layers there. I mean, odo is drawn to her because she's beautiful and mysterious and she she's kind of a kindred spirit obviously you know she she is drawn to him as well I think she he he's also drawn to her because. He wants to to help her protect her in some way. He realizes that she's in in trouble. Mm-hmm. And also I think that once he finds out that the Orion syndicate is involved, you know, one of the things that I think we can say from this episode is that or or you know kind of infer is that one of the reasons Odo may be working against or looking for opportunities to undermine or, or get the Orion Syndicate is because they apparently are operating on Deep Space Nine with impunity. Mm. I mean, you've got the two assassins there that obviously yeah. work for the Orion Syndicate that, you know, no one finds out about. And they've got this sort of like, you know, it is again, it's a very Norse story. It's kind of cutting to <laughs> uh, of the villain and kind of, you know, hanging out and stuff. But, It is a very sort of like Odo thing to realize that, yeah, the Orion Syndicate is probably using Deep Space Nine for some of its operations. He may not really know what's going on with them all the time. I mean, Quark was working for them and he didn't even know. So in a sense, they might be sort of his match and he's looking for ways to undermine Hmm. them as much as he can. Yeah, I can see that. And then I think too that that also you know colors the end of the episode when it's revealed that Arissa is this you know Idanian secret agent that was under deep cover and you know <laughs> the the guy that comes to get her you know says oh look she's going to be able to to testify against the Orion Syndicate and we're really going to be able to get this yeah. guy to Dream and break up the organization or, or do it <laughs> a, do it a blow you know and I think that you know there it seems to me that Odo is having some some competing emotions there because of course he's very sad that. Uh, Arissa is, yeah. is no longer able to to reciprocate his affections but but I think he's also in a way pleased that, yeah, I mean he
0: knows that you know they 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 have to both of her reasons you know she was doing this in undercover to get the Orion syndicate, and she's going back to her life i mean he understands he understands that completely, he in no way feels that he was done wrong or anything again i I think he ends this episode it's sad it's unfortunate it's not. You know, it's not happy, but at the end, same time, nothing was wrong
1: in a way. Yeah, I think so. The, and I, you know, this
0: was the there was no ideal ending, but this did the this was the ending that did the most good.
1: And also, this is the ending that that sort of reaffirms the status quo of Odo's life. Yeah, that's true. But in a
0: way, that also, I mean, there is an idea. Uh, there is a degree to which you know. I mean, o- Odo loses his virginity in the epi- in this episode. Well, his
1: humanoid virginity.
0: Well, yeah, that, that that is true, and you know we'll get to that in a second. But you know he he has managed to. That's
1: what Odo said to Arisa.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I I think it's very interesting that he explicitly considers the Great Link to be sexual, and I think that's Well, I think a, that. Well, I, I certainly think... the metaphor was there, and I think it's not. I think it's interesting that there. Making it text in the way that you know well, I you, mean, you said DS9 was a little more adult about that TNG that scene would have been extraordinarily awkward. Yeah. You know, think about any time you know the the closest they do is Data talking about how he's fully functional down there or whatever, and and yeah, you ju- Eric just rolled his eyes. So like you know it, it's a very cringeworthy scene. There is nothing cringeworthy about Odo saying you know I was involved in this thing called the Great Lake Link. It was. Very sexual to me, and then you know. Well, has- I
1: I want to make clear though that that he doesn't say that the entirety of the Great Link was no. a sexual experience. He says that he had an experience in the Great Link that could be construed as sexual. So it's that's a little fair. it's a little different. I don't think that the the entire Great Link experience was some sort of you know uh, uh, you know ten day long orgasm.
0: No, 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 and I. And, but but at the same time, that's you know an orgasm and sexual and a sexual experience are not are not necessarily the same thing. I think for Odo that was a moment of intense and deep connection with another person, which you know certainly that is you know that <laughs> that that is a way to describe a, a sexual experience that that describes the sex that he had with Orisay in a lot of ways. It was a, a, a connection between the two people.
1: Do, do straight people have a romantic and intense emotional connection like gay people do when they have sex?
0: Uh, oddly enough, I believe they do, huh. although it's usually not as pure or as
1: fun. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> I, I think that you're right, but I, you know I, I don't want to go too far afield on this because I don't think it's that important. No. but you know it, they do explicitly make it clear that it is just one moment that Odo's in the Great Link. It is not the entirety of the Great Link experience So
0: either way, I, I mean, I don't know if that distinction necessarily well, matters. because
1: I mean, I think it does matter because of course, if the entire Great Link is some sort of you know, orgy all the time, <laughs> that, that colors it in a very different way. I, I don't think it's like that there there's there's, there's you're,
0: you're, i feel like you 're talking about you know because the great link is in group sex no i don't i don't think of it in that way, but it 's just you know i i think of it think of it in sex and the two becoming one kind of a sense that is literally what uh the great link is i mean for for two humanoids you know sexual intercourse is a way of attaining that connection between people of uh you know, again, a deep romantic of, of two people being extraordinarily close. The well, and changelings also, happen to be able to get that closeness a little further, even on the mind level. I mean, you could even talk about, for example, a mind meld as a sexual kind of experience.
1: Eh, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's a little too broad for me. But I think that, that you know, again, you know, maybe to wrap that, that part of it up is that that's Odo's interpretation of yes, what of course. as well. You eh. know, that is maybe not the other changeling's interpretation. Well, of to what be happened. fair,
0: the founders probably don't have a conception of sex because they don't have a conception of bodies in the same way.
1: That is true. Yeah, I think that that is a, an idea that Odo is is getting from his his experiences with with you know other sentient beings. Yeah, but you know, I do like that scene with Aris and him in bed. I think is 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 kind of. I mean, it's nice, and I, I think it's one of the you know this is one of the what? one of the rare. I think Star Trek romances, short term yeah. romances, even that that seem to actually make sense. It's not just driven by the plot.
0: Well, what I like about it is it does have. I, I one of the things I really liked about when Luoxada comes into his room and she sees the sculptures and she immediately understands. Oh, that's for shapeshifting. You know, she's one of the few people who gets it immediately. And you know, even though Aris is like, oh, this is you know, I think she says nice, calls it nice furniture at one point, and he <laughs> explain but. What I like about that is he's... just expl- like, what kind of furniture is that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who would ever sit on that or sleep on it anyway?
0: Um, what I like is that, you know, Arisa does, doesn't does have any understanding of what Odo is. What oh, she
1: doesn't even know that he's a changeling e- at first.
0: Exactly. But I like how he explains all of this and she just very lovingly and openly, you know, accepts and understands all of that. Yeah. Like, she doesn't seem to find any of that weird. I mean, she is... She's about to have a romantic relationship to this with this person, so obviously, you know, he's giving her, you know, kind of the basics she needs to know. But she's okay with all of this. And Odo is a person who, at times, has been very ashamed of who he is, or very confused about who he is, and worried that, you know, in the early seasons, he never shapeshifted in front of anybody else because he was he was ashamed about it. You know, he wouldn't really talk about it, and that he is able to talk about this to Arissa. And that she does not do what he feared, but that she, you know, accepts it as and loves him. I think, again, I guess that's why this is a very sweet relationship.
1: Yeah, because it's two—it's two people coming together. That that yes, they are lonely and they are alone and they—they they need each other. But it, it's also more than yeah. I mean, they—they do like each other and I think they do understand each other to 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 a large yeah. degree. And that's why I think it works so well. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I keep thinking back to all those horrible you know TNG episodes with Troy falling in love with some rando of the week, and it's like yeah, you know, it's come they—they've come a long way. Um,
0: and it, part of it might just have to do with the repetition making it. Uh, you know this is certainly odo's first real romance beyond Kira for, and Kira and Lowakxana, Troy have been his only vaguely romantic partners in a way. Kira is obviously one of the major characters of the show with their relationship is one of the major aspects of the show, yeah, and certainly, and that's been done very well. Luwakana was significant every time, but yeah, every time. Troy would fall in love with another person. It's like, all right, whatever. You know, we believe that.
1: Well, it never felt earned. It always felt like it, it was part of the plot. This
0: felt very earned, yeah. And
1: this, you know, it feels this feels very organic, and the two parts of the episode really do feel organic in a yeah. way that I think a lot of the other, uh, you know, episodes that we were talking about didn't.
0: I guess I wonder what impact this is going to have with the rest of you know, with his relationship with Kira, because obviously, you know, at one point she's. You know, certainly urging him to... Uh, yeah. And and he has been going at the point of, well, you know, you are humanoid. And I don't know. There, there is a degree to which this is the... F- he's he's crossed to that threshold. He has proven that he can be romantic with somebody and it can be nice. I don't know if that's going to change things. I don't know. We'll have to see. But it is interesting that, again, we were talking about whether or not Odo has... Um, whether or not Oda's transformation back into a changeling from human was too quick was you know was there a point mm-hmm. to it? Mm-hmm. Because I can certainly see this episode taking place in in the time frame that he was still human. It would be the same exact episode except for you know he wouldn't smush with her or whatever Great Link or whatever he does with her. Other than that, it would be the same exact episode.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I'm wondering if that would have changed what that would have changed.
1: I think it would have. Yeah. And I also, I also think that the entire, you know, sexual experience that they have probably would have been very different. I mean, maybe, maybe maybe not even would have happened. Mm. You know, that's why I kind of, you know, started out this conversation by saying that I don't think they could have done this episode earlier than this. They could have done a version of it, but I don't think it would have been, you know, it would have been doing things that prematurely, (laughs) (laughs) it would have been doing things that other episodes of the show had already done. You know, so, yeah, yeah, well, I, 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 I'm I glad about this episode. I liked it. Good. Well, I hope you also are glad about business as usual.
0: Yeah, I really liked this one. We uh finally get to meet Cousin Gala. Yes, we do.
1: And Did he stack up? Yes. Yeah, he's great. I actually really like the actor that plays him a lot. Both him and, I mean, Hagith was fucking wonderful yeah and i feel like i've seen that actor. yes i somewhere know he's, before
0: he's he must be a character actor because he's really great i liked this episode a lot i think this as you said this one is a little better than i don't know it's a lot more fun even though it's a very ambiguous and weird episode
1: it is i think it's well it's fun because it is quark i think finally i mean quark obviously is is always fun to watch except when he's yeah. in a terrible episode but that happens few and far between and, and usually it, you know it, it, it that's when wallace uh, sean is out. well because this is you know i mean we we've talked about yeah wallace sean god um <laughs> we're gonna see him again aren't we at some point yeah uh-huh. i don't remember exactly when but <laughs> it's been a while wallace sean must have really remembered about the makeup for like two full years Either that or he was busy. I don't know. He, he writes plays. So who the hell knows what he's doing? But yeah, I think that, you know, we've talked before about Ferengi episodes and how Deep Space Nine handles the Ferengi and sort of has really fleshed them out and treats them seriously, even though yeah. a lot of the Ferengi episodes are the comedy ones or some of the comedy ones. And in this episode, I, it's not really played for laughs. I think that we're not laughing at Quark. We're not laughing at Gaelor. No. We're certainly not laughing at Haggith. But There are funny parts to it, I think, only because, you know, Quark is is blinded by the money and Quark mm -hmm. is blinded by the latinum. For a little bit. For a little while. And he doesn't seem to really understand, you know, it's not that he doesn't understand what he's doing. I think that he doesn't want to understand what he's doing. Quark is very easily removed from a lot of this. And it's
0: really interesting how he gets further and further seduced into this. And frankly, it is only because quark is at the end of the day a very moral person uh whether he wants to be or not and well i
1: would even i would even clarify that a little bit he is a he's a federation (laughs) moral person at this point i mean he is very influenced by the federation and by starfleet yeah um and to a lesser degree by the Bajorans, of course
0: i mean but you know it's interesting how 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 the progression of this because initially when gala comes up he says all i need is a nice place to meet them in a hollow suite, really. I mean, there is nothing illegal about what he's doing. He's just, you know, you're being a bartender, and that's what he's doing at first. And then he sets up this hollow suite with, you know, the replicas of the guns where they can demonstrate them, and that is nothing. He's just showing stuff off in a hollow suite. And even when he's doing the sales thing, you know, it's just like selling a drink. You know, it's nothing, you know, he has nothing to do with any of that. So yeah, he is very moved. It really isn't until he meets up with this regent who and the I I I guess for Cork there is really no way of justifying selling to this particular guy. I mean they they talk about you know there there was the whole how they sold to how Hagith sold to the Bajorans, realizing that, you know, in this case this was the better long term decision to do. I mean and, – and certainly uh, Quark can even agree that it was the morally correct thing to do to give weapons to the Bochorians in this particular case. Sure. Uh, he just – this – giving them bioweapons to kill 28 million people just because the region is pissed at somebody is not, not – there is no way that Quark can justify this. There is no amount of latinum.
1: Well, and I think that what it really comes down to is, you know, uh, Quark is being seduced by Haggith. And yeah. I use that word very deliberately. Yes. Because Haggith is is a master manipulator and a master seducer. I mean, their
0: tones do have a very, you know, Haggith does have a very creepily sexual vibe in a lot
1: of his scenes.
0: Yeah, he says Quark at one point
1: he loves him. I mean, that's yes. something that I don't think that Quark would ever say to anybody. And you know, obviously, I think it's 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 important that Haggath is not a is not a Ferengi because yeah. that, that colors, I think, Quark's moral awakening or something like that. Of course, because for for a Ferengi, and they even say that in in one part of the episode where you know. Haggath selling to the Bajorans was perhaps not the Ferengi way of doing business, but it's good business nonetheless. Yeah. Now, does Gala really think that? Who knows? He's obviously buttering up his boss, and he's very good at it. Yeah. And Quark is also buttering up Haggath to a degree. But, you know, it's...
0: And it's also very easy for Gala to say that that was the right thing to do, in retrospect, realizing that it... You know that they have a essentially a government's protection to do business. Uh, yeah, I'm sure at the time he protested, but probably you know part of it is he probably didn't protest too loudly because hey, it's scary. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Haggath is a- – what's interesting is that Quark doesn't realize that Haggath is scary until, like, halfway through the episode. Well, yeah. I, mean, I guess maybe we've watched enough Mafia stuff to know that Haggath is pretty damn scary, but – I
0: have to say I wanted the uh, – I
1: wanted the – because, the, you know, the scene
0: when he fires the – you know, I'm very disappointed. You made a mistake. Get out of here. Oh, fuck! yeah. Yeah, and Quark certainly thinks that, you know, it was just a firing and Galus says, oh, well, his ship blew up and, you know, Cork's like, well – Haggith just fire why would he kill it you know and that is Cork coming off as extremely naive of course but i almost kind of wanted the episode to reveal that no that was his ship just randomly technically blew up like haggith didn't actually kill the guy i don't know hmm. i i i think that would have put haggith in a very interesting position because haggith is the kind of person who he sh- i i mean he gives cork a necklace to talk about into the you know seduction thing about that but he is the kind of person who's giving gifts to everybody and you know being effusive with praise when they are and he's probably a very as long as you're doing your job right and you know i'm sure he's a very wonderful boss to get to he you know there is that weird you know controlling thing where he's like well you're not seeing your profit until you pay your debts but at the same time, as paternalistic as that is, it's not exactly a terrible thing.
1: <laughs> but also, let's not forget, of course, that that Quark's father was was you know, as he says, had no lobes for business. Yeah, like a bad businessmen. You know, Quark was ashamed of his father. Yeah, and so that you know, Haggath is pretty much feeding into that. Yes, you know, that sort of desire on Quark's part to have a father figure in his life.
0: Oh no, and it's ob- it's obvious why Haggith is acting in this particular way. He does get his. And, and frankly, by the t- by, by saying, I, I mean, that it's it's a it's a masterful thing by saying, you know, you're paying your debts first, you know, so that'll take a few months anyway. And that point, you're really into the business and I've given you so many presents and now you're going to see money like, yeah. Quark would never fucking leave. You know, Haggath knows what he's doing.
1: Well, because for, you know, a lot of what Quark and the Ferengi in general, you know, in, in TNG, and especially in Deep Space Nine, have been portrayed as are. You know they—they they are people that just like money. They like doing business. They're—they're they're, um, not really shy about cheating people. Not really shy about doing bad deals mm-hmm. and breaking contracts. And it doesn't seem that there is a lot of uh, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of lines of business that the Ferengi are not involved in, or even that they have any moral compunction around. Certainly, Gala doesn't have any moral yeah. compunction, or if he did, it's been buried for so long because he says he's been doing this for forty years. And so, you know, Quark, I think, Quark is an interesting character in this episode does make him even more complex because Quark's journey throughout this, you know, five and a half years of Deep Space Nine so far has been a character that is realizing that he doesn't really fit into Ferengi society. You know, there's a reason why he has been on Deep Space Nine all these years. There's a reason why he went there in the first place. And it wasn't necessarily because he wanted to live on a Cardassian space station. And, you know, he's obviously been uh, uh, influenced by Starfleet and influenced by the Federation, influenced yeah. by the Bajorans over these years. I mean, let's think back to the, the root beer conversation with Garrick, for example, you know, where they both kind of hate the Federation and 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 hope that it is going to save them. And... Now it's even kind of spilling over a little more where, you know, we haven't even touched on the fact that, you know, he and Dax have a falling out episode, but I do want to talk about that, but... It's one of those things where you look at this episode and you say, "Well, it seems surprising, but at the same time, the pieces all fit into place, and you can see the progression here very nicely."
0: Well, I'm thinking about the scene where the gala is showing him the, you know, the stars. This is, you know, there's millions of planets out there, you know, millions and millions of worlds, and half of them want to exterminate. You know, what does it matter if one of
1: those, you know, completely goes out and? This and is, that is that is that is a selfish yeah. nihilism that is you know, completely at odds with, with the ethos of Star Trek. Because the, star, the
0: ethos of Star Trek finds every one of those lives precious. I mean, you talk about Gala as, in a way, he's almost desensitized. Uh, this is the first person like this that Quark has met, this regent. Anytime Quark has certainly seen some bad people in his time on DS9, but it's people like Goldie Goldicott's Goldie Cuts goals. Whatever they, you know, as much as he's lying, as reprehensible as he might be, Goldicott's goals are really easily understandable. All he wants is just to be the president of Cardassia.
1: Yeah, and Goldicott was doing a lot of bad things during the occupation, but he was never completely wiping out Bajoran cities.
0: Yeah, exactly. And for, you know, if he was, it was because they were, you know, there was a military reason for that or something like that. You know, they're not, you know, this guy just wants to kill people because he's pissed off and because he can, and I'm sure Gala has met dozens of people like this at his sure. time. I mean probably I, – I, I would assume that he gets he, – he, he gets certainly – Made clear for the clientele to you know to ramp in a certain direction because certainly if this was the first guy that Quark had met he would have been out right away maybe Haggith's, Haggith's Haggith? whatever maybe Haggith. maybe Haggith's one mistake maybe Haggith's one mistake was realizing that Quark hadn't fully gone at this point by the time the region wanted this but
1: yeah and you know I do I do like the fact well number one I like the fact that Quark. Uh, uh, is kind of the instrument of 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 their own you know their own demise in this episode. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a very nice turn for the character, and it uses his sort of uh, uh, wiliness and and and
0: yeah, this uh,
1: sneakiness you... in a, in a positive way, and it also calls back to the, all the ways that he's done that in the past.
0: Well, interestingly enough, see where I thought the episode was going to go was that he meets with this group of rebels, and I thought that was him going. You know, I thought that that quark was going to leave the episode saying look we armed the bajorans and that turned out to be the right thing to do i think at this point the right thing to do is to arm these rebels this is going to be another area where we seed where we seed this cause of revolution against this leader who was obviously corrupt like i thought it was gonna go there and then you get this little detail that the general sends purification squads yeah and suddenly the rebellion is fucking terrifying like this is all this i, I
1: I and he and he dismisses her. I mean, he says she's as crazy as the region. She wants to kill all these people too. Yeah,
0: it's it's which I think is is true <laughs> at yeah. that
1: point. I mean, I, again, we're not dealing with and that's necessary for the episode, of course, because it's not really the thing. Is like Quark's moral moral uh, 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 growth in this episode would not be nearly as I guess. Uh, Complete. Complete. If if one of the sides would have been like, well, maybe it's okay to sell weapons to them because they want to be like free and it's okay. You know, like there is a degree to yeah. which it ha- you know you could. Well, the one criticism I think you could make of this episode is that uh, the the way in which Quark kind of becomes this this new person or kind of reveals that he has these moral complexities is perhaps a little cartoonish. But at the same time, you need these people to be reprehensible. Yeah. And it's not as though. Deep Space 9 or even TNG for that matter. Uh I I I think that these these two opposing sides would fit very nicely in into either of these series. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's not anything that's outside of the realm of, of of anything that we've seen before. No,
0: certainly. And I I, I think there is a to a degree the Feder Kira seems to only grudgingly and when when she say, you know, our government, you know, he armed our people and they were Kira seems to be very grudgingly saying that all of the Federation people openly seem to think it's bullshit. Certainly, Cisco yeah. th- is very pissed at the Bajorans for feeling this way. And
1: yeah, and again, I mean, like I said, you know, we were talking about a simple investigation. Yes, but Avery Brooks in that scene, oh yeah. Was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he 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 he's had a very small presence in both these
0: episodes, interestingly enough, but certainly did really well with the little scenes he had. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh,
1: Well, I think that – I mean, let's talk about Dax and Quark then because that is the one part of the episode that I think is probably the most grounded in uh, a relationship that we have come to appreciate, I think. Well,
0: I I think it's interesting because at the end – Dax is, in a way, the person who understands and accepts the Ferengi the most. She is the one who is – she's one of the few main cast members who openly considers Quark to be a friend. There's that bit when she says – Well the Ferengi, yeah, they're crude, they're sexist, they're terrible people, but once you accept that, they're a lot of lot of fun. Yeah. And she, you know
1: And that's exactly a Dax sort of attitude as well.
0: Definitely. Dax is the kind of person who will give a Ferengi the most slack. And I think he goes to her because she is the person who will understand, even if she doesn't agree with his what he's doing. She gets all right. It's a Ferengi. And the fact that she in no way can countenance what he does, I think is making it clear that, oh no, I have stepped over a
1: line. Yeah, that's true. I think that's a good point because Dax is the one character in the main cast that understands the Ferengi, likes the Ferengi, is able to get past some of their, let's call them yeah. quirks <laughs> or, or or foibles. <laughs> um, and, and But once she is really upset with him and really just is like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be your friend. This has gone too far for me. You know, that is another moment where Quark is like, oh, okay, I really have crossed the line here. I think you're right. Yeah. I
0: mean, he's he comes to her at a point where it's very clear that, like, I'm in a life or death situation and this might even be the last time you see me. And she's cut him out at that point.
1: And everyone 's cut him out, I yeah, know, they make that that, that like little throwaway line in the episode where you know he hasn 't had any Starfleet customers, yes, you know I mean, who knows what Cisco told them, but but the
0: entirety of Starfleet as a whole <laughs> seems to have
1: yeah has has kind of gone away, I think so, yeah, and I think the other thing too is that you know the relationship between you know we haven 't really talked about the relationship between Gale and quark, but You know, Gale is obviously supposed to be a bit older than Quark because he's been in business for forty years. I mean, who knows how long the Ferengi live? It seems like they, um, you know, go with every other alien species that aren't humans and live for two hundred (laughs) years. But it is it is a very interesting relationship because. You know, like you said, we finally meet him in this episode, even though we've heard about him before. All we've heard really is that Uncle Gala tried to kill him, kill Quark once. Uncle Gala has a moon. Quark wants a moon like Gala. Yeah. There's this whole thing about having a moon, which is kind of funny. And... I, I feel like there is a cottage industry on Ferenginar that's building,
0: like, tiny moons for people. And, like, you know, maybe you can fit, like... You know, it's the size of a small island. I mean, probably on Ferenginar is just lousy with these things floating
1: around. It's there. a Ferengi version of a tiny house. Yeah. Aww. But their relationship, I think, is really um, – what I like about this episode, particularly in the performances, is that they have a very lived-in relationship, yeah. even though this is the first time we've ever seen Gala. And there is – I mean, I love how – I don't know what the actor's name is who plays Gala, but he plays a Ferengi in exactly uh, – he plays it in a very different way than we're used to seeing – but it is still recognizable oh, as yes. a Ferengi. You know, he's not kind of sniveling and, you know, walking around and talking about making profit all the time.
0: He's actually making profit. He's a he's actually making <laughs> profit and he, is, well, a, we, he we, is a
1: cool customer.
0: That was the thing. We have always been told that Gala was a very successful
1: Ferengi. And I guess that's true. I guess we haven't really seen well, well, successful Ferengi before, except well, for maybe the, the the Grand Nagus. And what's his name? The the brunt brunt what what is his title uh, well, he FCA doesn't really yeah, a title. Uh, Liquid, uh, Liquidator Brunt, I think. Liquidator yeah. Brunt, yeah,
0: uh, who is a, who is a successful Ferengi, and I, I, I well, that the, was a character that I would really liked because he was able to be a good villainous Ferengi. Gala is not a villain in this episode. No. He, well, he's not an antagonist I, in this episode. I feel
1: sorry for Gala in this episode. I mean, I never thought I would say I feel sorry for a Ferengi, but I do feel huh. sorry for him. You know, he is obviously a, a person, a man, a Ferengi, mm. who put aside moral compunction to do this horrible thing for 40 years, wants to get out of the business, wants to retire. I mean, what Ferengi wants to retire? Yeah, Ferengi want to keep working until they're dead. I mean, that's not a, an incidental point, I think.
0: See, interestingly enough, I thought there was a point where this episode was setting it off for Gala to be doing a long-term plan to screw Cork over. At, you know, Maybe he was setting him up to be a patsy. And the part when he's saying you know, I'm going to want to step down and maybe you could pick up some of my work for that. That that put up a couple red flags, like, why is he suddenly being nice you sure, know, to Quark? Sure. But then there is that that scene does have a poignant scene when you realize that he actually is proud of his cousin and he is actually, does feel that Quark can fill in his shoes in a couple of years.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think it also speaks to the fact that, that Gala, you know, we, again, we don't know that much about the relationship or why Gala tried to kill Quark or anything like that, but it almost is a very sort of, you know, if, I mean, who, I don't know what side of the family is supposed to be, whose brother, but let's say he's, yeah. he's Quark's father's brother. You know, he probably looks at a Quark in a very different way. He almost probably feels sorry for Quark because he had to deal with having a father yeah. who was really bad at business and therefore bad at being a Ferengi.
0: Yeah. And he, he, he sees, f- Quark kind of is growing up in this episode in a way, which is when when while we see this as Quark making some major moral errors.
1: But again, at the same time, isn't it uh really sort of gross that Gala wants to get out of the business? I think Gala is is tired of it. Gala is starting to yeah. realize that you know his his stuffing down of his moral you know difficulties with the business is is getting to him. I mean, this is stuff that I'm reading. I was going to say it
0: could because it could be just as easily as. Gaila just wants to work part-time or take the big gigs and or or go to a lesser position or maybe even, frankly,
1: get promoted into a lesser position. He says he wants to retire. He explicitly says he wants to retire. That implies to me that he doesn't want to work anymore. And And that's fair. And that implies to me because everything that we know about Ferengi is that they die working, is that he has problems with what he's doing Hmm. and wants to get out of it. And so – I mean, this is all my interpretation of what's going on, of course. But and then again, you know, if, if that is, you know, extrapolate that out for a second and sort of, you know, accept that as 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 given, what what does that say about the type of person Gala is that he is drawing Quark into this? I mean, yeah. he is essentially tar- trying to turn Quark into the same shell of a person that he has become. It's,
0: it's interesting that you take that as a darker version of the character. I next time I watch the episode, I will take that into consideration because for me, I took it at. I did take that line at face value as just he's been doing this for 40 years. He wants to step down, maybe do, you know, find other ways of making profit to be, you know, just simply out of I've been doing this job for 40 years kind of a thing. And suddenly here's Quark and Quark actually does have a head for this. And, you know, it might be nice to do put in a little bit less work for a little while.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I mean, both could be true. frankly. Uh, sh- uh,
0: and again, certainly there is an element of again simple investigation made it clear that when you leave an Orion Syndicate crime lord, it's it's difficult, and in general, it's hard to retire from this kind of a thing. So certainly, Haggath and Gala may have sold weapons to the Orion Syndicate. That's true. We, yeah, we don't know. Y- you certainly get the sense that if Galo were to say, you know, gee, I want st- to, it's time for me to look stepping down. Let's transition things to Quark. Hageth will be okay with that,
1: yeah, because
0: yeah. you know certainly he's doing it openly. Hageth seems to be most upset about getting screwed over rather than anything. But well, yeah,
1: and also I think that that finally, you know, I think that that gives a different um, a, a, a different flavor to. Gala coming to Quark for this because of yeah. course Haggath is someone who's very loyal. He says he treats his employees as family, and he and feels I betrayed. Don't and so, disbelieve that I don't disbelieve that, but I think that Gala might think that Haggath feels betrayed or or insulted by the fact that Gala doesn't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So he's bringing in a family member. He's bringing in someone who has explicit blood ties to himself to to sort of you know slowly extricate himself. Yeah. From his job. I, I, he he is certainly doing things very carefully
0: and. Gala ver- is very. Gala is under no illusions. Haggath is very open to him, probably about everything. He he seems to be Haggath's right hand. So yeah, he knows everything that's going on. Yeah, I think this. I I think Gala is stepping very carefully because certainly Haggath could very easily get under the wrong impression he's leaving to eventually take over or sure, whatever. Sure. When
1: I mean, Haggath seems a little paranoid.
0: Oh yes. Which, Which probably has to be, <laughs> frankly. He's a weapons dealer. Of course he's paranoid. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, I guess the other thing to talk about um, is this baby subplot? subplot with Yoshi and O'Brien.
0: Okay, I will say two things about this. Number one is the baby they have playing Yoshi is goddamn adorable, and I don't say this often about babies. Yeah. Or at all. He's cute. Um, And number two, I mean, the plot itself wasn't, was whatever. It's just a nice little romp. What I loved about the episode is the very ending when Worf comes in and he says something like... He says... He finally acknowledges that he had a kid.
1: I know. I'm glad you said that because that's exactly where I wanted to go with that. I was like, hey, I, my note actually says, hey, Worf remembers he has a son. Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem like he does most of the time. What I guess I what cracked me the, up about that epi- about that
0: scene is that... Worf is looking at Yoshi and he says, oh, gee, I didn't see my son as a child. As a baby. As a baby, you're very lucky that you're able to have this moment with him. And he seems very envious that O'Brien – You know, is able to have this opportunity that he missed out, and you do get a sense that he actually does regret missing out on Alexander's life as a baby. Alexander still exists! He's missing out in his life right now! Maybe, you know, pay attention to your kid now, so then in five years you don't say, oh, gee... Alexander was a teenager and I miss that. Alexander was 20 years old. Now the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. I mean, it's like fuck you, Warp. You don't get to feel sad about this. I kind of wish, and this is terrible, but they'd killed off Alexander between series.
1: Well, we don't know where Alexander is. No. We've not heard anything about him. We don't all all we know, I think, is that he's back with He's Warf back parents with his again. parents. I mean, but
0: is something actually going to happen with Alexander, then, is what you're implying? Because maybe, I know maybe, maybe. he grows up to be a big pussy and not even be able to uh, convince <laughs> his own self to
1: you know be a Klingon. Yeah, from that one episode, which I don't remember the name of, from the seventh season, which was very bizarre. But, uh, yeah, I think I agree with all of that, and I don't really have anything else to add to it. I think Worf is a shitty parent. We've established that many times on this podcast. <laughs> but again, the,
0: the, uh, yeah, I, it, it's certainly a thing we come to, but again, the, the show... Seems to feel like there's—Whorf simply saying that is enough, but it's not goddamn enough. Again, you're still missing out on your son's childhood. You could still be there for some of it. Yeah,
1: he could be. He's not. Yeah, and no one else seems to care. I wonder what Dax thinks of all this.
0: I, that was the Yeah, they They're ostensibly
1: still in a relationship, I guess, even though they haven't mentioned it in a while. Dax
0: even met— alexander like
1: no i think they would probably have made a bigger deal about it if she had
0: i mean certainly part of the relationship between wharf and troy had to do with troy actually like troy was one of the only characters who really actually remembered that alexander existed and tried to do right by him in the episodes where she was allowed to remember but
1: that is true yeah well maybe we'll have an episode where dax meets alexander oh boy we'll find out is this really
0: gonna happen
1: uh maybe
0: maybe not i'm gonna be so disappointed if we don't have an alexander episode i'm just
1: telling you right now well next week we're talking about alexander alexander where's oh, alexander no we're not uh <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll alexander
0: out. where the two of them have uh, oh my god yes that's what happens because low
1: L- and alexander open up a homemade soap store i would watch this. on the promenade that's what happens
0: and each week a different customer can come in and they have a problem. And the lock sound is like, I think that, you know, and she she figures out what's the problem. I think that is.
1: Lavender would be good for you.
0: And it turns out to solve the entire problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like Alexander's really like setting things up and
1: just they're pretending it's the soap.
0: Yeah. 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 I'm going
1: to pitch this. Once to- Paramount fired our Stephen Bear in the seventh season, it became a very different show.
0: I'm going to pitch this to the new Star Trek series with Brian Fuller and
1: see if they like it. Go for it. I'm assuming his email is something like fuller at cbs.com, so go for it.
0: (laughs) See, I think the gag would have been funnier if she said Fuller at gmail.com.
1: I go for accuracy over humor, always. All right, well, I think that's it for this episode. Also, they don't ever fire Irish Stephen Bear, so don't get worried. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at trackaboutshow.com. We have a Patreon. If you're enjoying our podcasting, including our new podcast, Tuning In, which the fourth episode of that is being released this week, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash check out our perks, and uh, give a little bit of your hard-earned money and give it to us, and we would appreciate it. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at TruckAboutShow. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review. We have another one this week. Oh, my God! And it actually is a positive iTunes review. So... That's good. Well, we're positive the guy last
0: week was a douche. Uh, we're so mean to him. If he's listening, he's like, maybe
1: I'll give them another chance. Oh, he's fine. He's a, he's fi- Donald Trump is a fine individual. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I good, good. Legally, when we're in trouble in a few years and facing prison, we will play this clip so they know we were loyal the entire
1: time. That'll be nice. I think it's a little weird that Donald Trump has so much time to listen to Star Trek podcasts and... Write iTunes reviews. But then again, what else is he doing? It's not like he's actually running for president. Uh, Automated Joy says, Lovely Star Trek podcast. I recently subscribed. I'm catching up on all the episodes of this amusing pair of commenters as they make their way through every single episode of Star Trek. That is an accurate summation of Trek about. And also thank you for those kind words, Automated Joy. And we hope that you are enjoying this automatically. (laughs) So it'd be as cool as Automated Joy and leave us a positive iTunes review. And also, like we said just a couple minutes ago, season episode four of Tuning In, our new podcast, which is starting off by talking about Firefly. Uh, this week we're doing uh, episode four, which is being released in just two days, about Shindig, I think, which is, which is an episode we both liked. No, you didn't like that one. Oh, okay. He's Um, like,
0: this is the stupidest episode. I hate Firefly.
1: If you want to listen
0: to Eric talk about how Firefly is the worst show, get ready to be angry at us.
1: Yeah, that's why we're doing it. (laughs) And also, uh, if you uh, are a patron or would like to become a patron, we released a patron special just this past week on Star Trek 25th anniversary, the adventure game from a few years ago. And I know that some people out there... 13 years ago. Whatever it is. Some people out there on the Twitter have said that we should do this, so we did it. So if you are not a patron and said that you would like we to did hear it. that, you should, you should go be a patron and then download that episode and enjoy it and give us feedback and tell us what else we should do. That's it. It's all the housekeeping. Except oh. next week. Oh. Yeah, I know. Alexander Alexander. <laughs> Where's Alexander? Uh, no, we're going to be talking about the episodes Ties of Blood and Water. And Ferengi Love Songs. That first one sounds like a Klingon episode. It's not. Oh.